And scene. Yay! Yay! Hold on, my phone's ringing. <laughs> we all just got hired, guys. Yay! <laughs> Jubilation. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Rated NA podcast for the website nerdappropriate.com. This is Mylan in from Matt this week. And I'm here with Scott and Ash, who are not only handsome, but incredibly clever. <laughs> How that are was you fantastic. guys today? <laughs> she said exactly what we wrote, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but she still read it. She did. I don't know. We yep. could have re- written anything. So this is episode 142. It is. Um, we, are, we are closing in on, on PAX East. Titanfall is coming out soon. Are you guys, is anyone going to a midnight release of Titanfall? I think I am. Um, You and I were talking. I think you might be doing Microsoft. I might be doing GameStop because it's like a mile from my house. So yeah, I mean, the Microsoft stores, I think all of them across the country are going to be raffling things out. So I like to win things. Win things. Yeah. Winning things is good. But I mean, in comparison to my last experience when the Microsoft store opened in my town and Matt and I just stood outside of the store for two hours and never actually really got into the store. I don't, I'm going to temper my expectations this time around. Oh, yeah. You know there's going to be like a 17-year-old that shows up at the Microsoft store at, at dawn. And just know, stands in, outside. In, in, a cardboard, uh, in a cardboard Titan costume and like <laughs> a, a bag of Funyuns. <laughs> well, they just have the stamina, you know? When you're that young, you can just wait for anything. It I remember. Matter. I remember. Those I, were the days. I was one of those episode one people. I, I waited like 12 or 13 hours. I mean, that – I mean – when it's, and you had the time back then too because work, work wasn't as much of a factor uh, you know, I know I actually then. had a cooler that I brought with me that looked like a giant can of Mountain Dew did you really I really <laughs> do did do you still have that wow. I do it's I in my garage that's, that's, that's incredible that's amazing it's one of my prized possessions let's do the rundown <laughs> so of course we're going to talk about what we've been up to um, Mylan's here so we're going to talk about uh, PAX Mylan. stuff Mylan <laughs> My Mylan. No, no, I was gonna. I just said I meant you were gonna talk about Mylan. Yeah, we're just. Since I'm here, you were gonna talk about her because she's here. MFB in the house today. <laughs> so we're gonna talk about panels coming up at PAX. We're gonna talk about Bioware uh, looking for voiceover persons, and we're gonna do something fun with that. Ash and I have been playing Plants vs Zombies Garden Warfare. Ash has been playing Ubisoft's Mighty Quest for Epic Loot. And I've been playing a new mobile game called Out There, which I'm going to convince all of you to, to start playing as well. Ooh, good. So as always, uh, this podcast is brought to you by Audible. Audible.com is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. They have over 150,000 titles to choose from in every genre, thrillers, business, romance, comedy, sci-fi, and more. I was listening to The Wind-Up Girl, and I just I couldn't get into it. Yeah. And I don't know if I should continue listening. I'm looking for something new, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So if anyone has any suggestions. Yeah, definitely. Let us know. For let a new know. audiobook, let me know. Um, Audible titles play on iPhone, Kindle, Android, and more than 500 devices for listening anytime, anywhere. And you, our fair listener, can get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com slash rated NA. And we thank them and you for your support of the Rated NA podcast. It's so helpful. So thank you guys. Absolutely. So why don't we ladies first? Ooh, 
Mylon, how's how, it going? How about this, Mylon? Why don't we uh, – we have a, a bunch of new listeners, so why don't you explain to people uh, oh, who yeah. you are? That's a good point. Oh, yeah. yeah, because um, you haven't been on in a while. It's been – I know. It's I don't know how long it's been. at least like eight months. Origin really? story. It's been a while. It's been a long time. Okay. So, Sorry. All right. So I – my name is Mylon Barrows. Um, I'm a writer and producer. I wrote and produced a video game called Strange Loves Vampire Boyfriends it on mobile. Great. And I, I, which is a choose your own adventure style game book, um, a comedy romance game book. And then I also produced the sequel, Strange Loves Hex Boyfriends, which is also available now. And um, I'm buds with these guys. We hang out at PAX and do panels together and whatnot. So I would, that's me. I would recommend to our listeners to go back into our podcast archive and look for the four play romance and games panels that we've published over the last year or so. Yeah, they're good. You'll like them. Yeah, there you go. So thank you. Yeah, those are fun. And you guys were great for broadcasting them on your podcast. That's cool. It's our pleasure. Yeah. So what's going on? It's I mean, it's been a while. You're new yeah. to everyone else here. So tell us everything. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I feel like I should be lying on a couch. Um, <laughs> so I so this week I've been playing a couple different games, one of which is Let's Quip, which is a new game that's coming out relatively soon. They, they're getting ready to go into beta. Um, it's uh, made by Firehose Games, and Sean Baptiste is the kind of the driving force behind it. He's a good friend of ours, and mm-hmm. um, it's basically if you're really good at Twitter and you're clever, you can play this game. They give you two words, and you have to say which one is better and why in and 140 characters or less. And it's very fun. They're doing kind of a demo right now on their Twitter feed where people can tweet at them answers, but it's going to be on Facebook and then I think mobile relatively soon awesome ash has it, been playing it with me it's a lot of fun so they've been doing um they've been doing uh, words up on twitter that you can just kind of practice with uh and they're randomly generated so you never know which two words or people or you know nouns verbs whatever the heck you're gonna get but um it, it's fun to see what your brain can come up with which is a, yes. what i think makes let's quip really challenging sometimes you'll get to and you're like there's nothing i cannot make that funny no matter how hard i try is there but, a is there a voting process of some sort where these are yeah, yeah. so Each how's the game voting there is yeah so so when they actually have the game so the twitter is just kind of a demo to get uh people familiar with the concept mm-hmm. but in the game the other players get to vote and they don't know who um who put what answer so it's supposed to, supposed to be all blind i think uh. it's i think it's it could be really big it's a fantastic game it yeah. sounds awesome there do you guys i don't know maybe i'm getting too far out there but did you ever do odyssey or odyssey of the mind when you were in school like elementary or middle school no, no what's that <clears throat> odyssey of the mind was this um competition this multi school competition sponsored by ibm and the idea was to sort of foster you know art uh, artistic ability and creativity through group and like team competition and um like team building and stuff like that so you as a school um somebody at your school would sponsor a team and then this odyssey of the mind team would sign up for the challenge for that particular year and usually there's two components there's sort of a performance component where you have to either design a like design something and do a play or whatever. And then there's another component that you do at the actual competition, which is called spontaneous. So at spontaneous, they'll bring your team into a room and you won't know what's going on, but then they'll just give you something to do. 
and then they'll score you based on how well you can come come up with things off the top of your head. So in the same way, this would be like one of those games that you would play. So you would say, yeah. here's two words. Wow. Tell me which word is better and why, you know. Was uh, was this Odyssey of the Mind only for children that would go on to get their PhDs? <laughs> Because uh, all we did in we elementary school it. was go outside and catch lizards and DDT each other. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to say that. <laughs> but but I did enjoy doing it. And now you have your PhD. But I'm. I know that other schools had had OM programs. So I just if if anyone that would have been amazing. Anybody knows what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, back I'm sure you'll up. get some people. On. Some people on Twitter will um, undoubtedly know what that is. Kicking it old school, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's cool. Anyways, sorry, Super sorry nerdy. to catch you I love it. No, that's I. I'm really sad that they didn't have that at my school because I would have been all over that. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> the kind of nerdy shit that I was into in elementary school and junior high school. Yeah, it was super fun. We we yeah. actually had to build a vehicle for one of our competitions one year, and one of them, like you, you got scored on three different criteria, and your your vehicle either could have been um, powered uh, with electricity. Or by pneumatics, or by I think hydraulics was the third version. But the students had to design everything themselves. They could only have limited input from from like adults, and you only had like a limited budget. So if how, you were how able, old were you when you did this? Middle school. Oh my so, gosh! Wow, it's, I didn't yeah. know that kind of stuff. This I was folks really is good how talk. man got to the moon. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, I guess so. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. <laughs> Anyways, that was a that was a big tangent. I apologize for that. So, anyways, back to my Lynn. Yeah. Oh, let's quit. Yes. So, yeah, so I've been playing Let's Quit. It's awesome. Check them out on Twitter. Um, also, I have been playing a whole lot of Dragon Age 2. Cool. And awesome. um, so long-time listeners, listeners of the show will know I'm very into romance and games. We do a panel every time at PAX. Um, that's called Foreplay Romance and Games, and it's a particular interest of mine. Um, so I just managed to romance Fenris, which... <laughs> I had it took me a while. It took me about an hour to figure out that I had to dump Isabella first mm. to be able to trigger the can't, can't dump Isabella. What, what do she you didn't want she didn't want to commit to me. Oh, she, she just wanted to, to hang to out. Anybody, but... What are you playing as? I am playing of, as a warrior. Oh, okay. Yeah. And by the way, Meryl is actually the correct answer to the question. <laughs> <laughs> I I think I just really ticked Meryl off. I didn't give mm. her the knife or whatever for the for the mirror. Yeah, I thought I thought Fenris would get mad at me. I, I that's the thing about this is like I really want to romance Fenris because everybody says the story is really great and it is. It's so good. But I I wind up having these moments where I have to pretend like I don't like mages to get him to like me and I feel <laughs> like that girl, that girl in junior high school who's like, "Oh yeah, I totally don't read books, you know. You're cute." <laughs> so, it's it's very awkward for me, but um, but I'm sticking with it. I know I'll be talking about it again, about the game again on the panel. So I want to make sure I get the proper Fenris experience. But I have to say, while we're on this topic, yeah. my heart truly belongs to Varric. And I'm so sad oh, right? that I can't romance him. He's the best personality mm-hmm. ever. He's the Han Solo. He's the Han Solo character. Yeah, he's amazing. I mean, his, his every from the moment... He enters the scene. I mean, you see him in the in the prologue, right? But but when he actually enters your world, man, he is just the coolest ever. And I just yeah. really hope that I can romance him in Inquisition. Absolutely, you shall see. See, okay, just to talk about the Fenris thing, I um, I never really cared for the character. I, I know I'm going to catch a lot of hate for that, but <laughs> there was something about Fenris that always kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I just kind of felt like he was 
I mean, granted, you know, he did live this life ex- of excru- excruciating pain and slavery, but he was kind of complaining. <laughs> He's a little complaining about about that slavery and that excruciating pain. Um, but uh, he never really resonated too much with me, like uh, mainly, mainly because I I did play a warrior as well, and I he, I didn't really need him all that much in my party, so I didn't bring uh. him around that much. But um. Yeah, so I, I didn't really love Fenris all that much. So I'm, I'm interested to hear your panel and hear um, what your final take is on the character. You have to get, and, uh, and again, I'm only about halfway through the game, but you have yeah. to get past a certain point with him um, because his story really starts to open up. And, and I feel like he's sort of a, a Mr. Darcy-type character um, where totally misunderstood, totally unrelatable, totally um, kind of cranky and 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 frustrating and then you start you get past all of that bs in the front and it's and then you start to get to the real guy i'll be interested to see how he unfolds further but but i because i was kind of with you i was like well everybody says fenris i'm sticking with fenris um and and i'm glad i did because once i got past the 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 shell it it really started to get good oh cool yeah glad to hear that yeah so, Scott, what have you been up to? Oh, I was going to ask. You got a you got an Xbox One as well. Did you not want to talk about that? I did, but I haven't had a chance to play it. My <laughs> oh. husband has been playing it like twenty four seven. So, so it's. I mean, it's. I've played with it a little bit, but again, I'm really into Dragon Age too. So, so Fair I'm. Enough. I'll get to it. But yeah, it's exciting. It's cool. It kind of creeps me out when it says hello to me when I come in the room. Mm. Um, it is weird when it does that. It's really weird. Um, but it's of course amazing. Um, so I yes, I'm excited to play it when I can get my hands on it. <laughs> I might have to get a second one. <laughs> awesome. Then we'll all play Plants vs Zombies: Garden Warfare. Yes, I'm, I definitely want to play that with you guys. Cool. Uh, so yeah, I've been playing Plants vs Zombies: Garden Warfare with Ash. That game is is fun. Like it's actually surprisingly fun because I yeah. I was reluctant to buy it and I think the only reason I bought it was because Ash was buying it and I thought, well, hey, if we can all play something together, it'll be great. Um so we will talk about that later in the reviews. I'm also I played a little bit more of Remember Me and I I think that the game is I want to say that the game is underrated. I think when I had only played a level or two last week, the game doesn't really make a great first impression. But the game is gorgeous, and the combat system becomes a little more complex, and it gives you more opportunities to dispatch your enemies in a sort of more sophisticated way. And then the challenge ramps up with additional abilities. So, by sophisticated, do you mean you you throw a glove at them on the ground and then <laughs> yeah. you kind of like turn your nose up at them? Yeah, so you you slap them with a you pull your leather glove off. Yep, and you okay. slap them in the face with it. Ah, oh, I love this game already. Um, it's you know the. The French, the French have some great gameplay ideas, great, uh, <laughs> great artistic design ideas as, as far as the, the game medium goes, if you will. So um, I think I still maintain the fact that the, the camera is the greatest enemy in Remember Me. And it's not, not the actual enemies in the game, but whoever's <laughs> controlling the camera is your, your greatest foe. But other than that, I think, I think it's a fantastic experience. Even if it is linear, like I said, that's not a detriment to the game. That's just what it is. Yeah. So if you if you go in with that expectation, I think it's a great game. I finished um, just in time for the new one to come out. I finished the last Professor Layton game, which is cool. It's like if you like puzzles, and Ash doesn't, but if you like puzzles <laughs> <clears throat> and you like Professor Layton, and and there are some people that do. You know, some people really like that Professor Layton, uh, Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney 
sort of world universe you know that level five i think creates both of those games so um that was cool it's a fun experience sometimes the puzzles like violate your expectations of what the rules of the game are and that's when it becomes frustrating but it's still a great game the new one came out this week um i also saw a movie called upside down have you guys heard no, about this movie? okay so I, oddly enough this this movie was also um created by a french director maybe french writer as well but anyways upside down is a science fiction romantic drama i guess is this the Kirsten Dunst one? Yeah, it's it's Kirsten Dunst and the guy from Across the Universe. Jim, is that his name? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I don't know either. I'm really i've I've come so prepared today, you guys. That's it's okay. Um, Jim Sturgis <laughs> like is his name. Yeah. Okay. So the idea is that in this universe there are two planets that coexist next to each other, and they're close enough to the point where you know, like the tallest mountains on either side of the world will, you know, create a distance of maybe just 20 feet between the two worlds or whatever. Okay. And one world is extremely poor and the other world is very wealthy because they steal all the resources from, you know, from the other world. And, you know, this being a romantic kind of drama style movie, uh, a guy from the poor world falls in love with a girl from the, uh, the wealthy world. And, um, he tries to to find her, but this this world has some very interesting rules um, in this universe. Basically, what whichever world you came from, the gravity from that world will always apply to you. So you could never go to the opposite world because you would just fall back down to your world. You know what I'm saying? Mm. This is confusing, but yeah. I, I think I get it. Yeah, and then any time that something from both worlds spends a prolonged amount of time being exposed to another they they get really hot and eventually catch on fire <laughs> yeah you see where i'm going with this right so they yeah. can't physically be together it's like lady hawk right well they can, it's, it's like- not it's not instant you know what i mean so it's more like a prolonged like you know the idea being that as far as engineering goes you could not anchor something from one world with something from the other world to get it suspended in midair because ultimately the two things would catch on fire, you know? So yeah. how then, how do they steal resources from one world to the other when they just like set fires all the time? Well, I mean, they can use the resources to create energy with the things they take from the other world. And it's weird because oh, the two okay. worlds have, there's like sort of this mega corporation that has built um, office buildings on either world and they kind of come together in one place and people from both worlds work with one another in this office environment. It's all part of the narrative, but the the it, the movie itself is like not spectacular. There are some some pretty strange plot holes and things where you're like, what, how was that even possible? But um, the movie itself is gorgeous. So even if you just put it on, like watch it on mute or something, like it's awesome. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I watched it with my wife, and we we made the interesting observation that it is it is weird to see something that is upside down because a lot of the scenes are shot, you know, upside down mm-hmm. as it were when you're trying to show which world things are happening on. And even though it's not like virtual reality where things are not correct, it's just the shot is upside down, yeah. but it makes it difficult to watch. And I thought that that was really fascinating from sort of a cognition standpoint that it's, no, it is true. Um, there's a, <clears throat> one of the 
things you can be born as in, in Rogue Legacy is uh, one of the characters you can be born as in the, the game Rogue Legacy, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, everything's upside down on the screen, so you play upside down, and yeah. it's the most jarring and confusing thing ever. Like, you just can't do it. It's like your you brain is con- struggling yeah. to make sense of, of like, the, the, the stimuli, you know, and it's hard to, like, flip it in your mind. Yeah, I know. It's very true. Yeah, but the movie is gorgeous. So I think it came out a couple of years ago, and it was one of those kind of under the radar films, mm-hmm. but it's it's gorgeous. So I would recommend it. And it's a it was it kind of worked in this specific instance because I wanted to watch sci fi, and then obviously I could convince my wife to watch it because it was like a romance, right? So mm-hmm. nice. <laughs> it's a win 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 for everybody. And then I the don't last know why thing, they don't do that more, you know? Because I, I feel like. It, the movies that that really deal with a lot of different things that appeal to a lot of different people. Best example I can think of is Bull Durham. I happen to love baseball and romance, but the fact that they brought baseball and romance together in this way that makes it appealing to everybody. Yeah, I, I feel like they could they could deepen stories a lot more by by combining genres like that. Absolutely, unless you completely miss the mark with episode two. <laughs> We don't even we don't even need to go there. <laughs> uh, anyways, and then the last thing I've been playing out there, I'm gonna save it for the reviews. I'm so excited to tell you guys about this game. Ash, cool. what's going on? Uh, let's see, what am I been doing? Uh, I picked up Plants vs Zombies Garden Warfare for the Xbox One. Uh, played a bit of that this week, and um, we'll, while while we will talk more about it in the review section, I do have to say it, it reminds me a lot of Mass Effect Three multiplayer. Yeah, so right? so it, it warmed my heart a little bit to play that mm-hmm. again. Um, I downloaded the beta for Mighty Quest for Epic Loot, and um, I didn't know what it was going to be at all. I just knew it was uh, Ubisoft, and it was going to be kind of a dungeon crawler, and um, that combination kind of seemed like something I might like. So Is it on I, PC. It is on PC, so I downloaded the beta, and it's pretty it's pretty awesome. So I'll talk about that in the review section as well. And um, last night on the way home, I picked up the Thor two, the Dark World uh, Blu-ray, mm-hmm. and uh, it uh, still loved that movie. Did you guys both see that Dark World? Not yet. No. I mean, yeah, I've not seen it yet, but I've it's heard good. That, I mean, I've heard that Natalie that. Portman's in that. She is okay. <laughs> that is true. So therefore, you should see it. She's uh, on the poster. No, but it's yeah. good. The movie's good. It also has the Marvel short film that we kind of talked about for a few minutes um, the other day, uh, "Hail to the King," which kind of carries the story of uh, the Mandarin over into prison. So it's like a, a little bit of a epilogue to Iron Man three. So you get to see what happens to Ben Kingsley's character in prison. And um, I don't want to reveal anything, but it is it's great. It, it I mean, it's an awesome. It's reason enough really to buy the Blu-ray. It's pretty awesome. And uh, if you are a fan of Gears of War, uh, Coltrane himself is in the short film, uh, pretty much as Coltrane. So Lester Spates in the movie, <laughs> which is awesome. And uh, that's uh, so that's good. But um, other than that, I've just been busy. I got sick for a couple days, was was coughing up a lung, not good. And uh, that's about it. That sucks, man. Sorry to hear that. That's all right. Did you Were you sick enough? Like, were you too sick for video games, or were you? I was, the first day I was, I was too okay. sick to actually like pick up a controller. It was kind That's of that so like sad. pounding headache, so I just like laid in one place. Day two, I was I was good enough to play, but I didn't really play anything. So it's a bummer. That is a bummer. Well, do you know what isn't a bummer? What's that? News. So BioWare is looking for voiceover artists. Um, They're having a contest where you can record a couple of scripts and send it to them, and you could be in the next BioWare game. 
Dragon Age Inquisition. It's pretty this awesome. Is like one of the coolest contests ever, by mm-hmm. the way. Very cool. Very, I think it's very a very cool. brave contest too. Um, <laughs> not only for the participants because you're kind of putting yourself out there, sure. but also for Bioware because they're they're letting their community have sort of an active stake in in the creation of this game, which I think is really pretty awesome. It Absolutely, is. it's a good way to build positive buzz for the game. It's going to give aspiring voiceover people an opportunity to be in the game or huge, you know, massive Dragon Age fans. Like, it's like a dream come true, you know? Yeah, we've, we've, had, we've had listeners that have, like, rented booth time. Are you serious? Yeah, I've seen a couple that's, people. That's amazing. Eat, that's really awesome. That, that they've actually gone into a recording booth and... and that's a really good stuff. way to do it. And if you had somebody who could edit it for you... Mm-hmm. You will. That will give you an edge. I mean, it costs it costs a lot of money to do that. But it sounds like they're going to fly someone out, or fly, I guess, two people out to either um, L.A., London, or Edmonton office to have them record and work with the voice producer. It's a it's a great opportunity. We think it's very cool. I have to say, I am completely prepared for this because last <laughs> week, yeah, I did some vocalizations for a new mobile game. Um, which I can't say what it is, but um, and it was just little stuff like hits and yells and making make a sound like you're throwing something. <laughs> yeah, it's a really weird thing to be in a booth because you're by yourself. Yeah, and you have headphones on and it's all soundproofed, and you can hear them in the studio when they're talking back to you and telling you what to do. <laughs> no, sound sound like you're straining more. <laughs> make it sound like it's heavier. So I am ready, you guys. On a, on a complete tangent to – not a complete tangent, but related to what you just said, um, reminds me of um, – I don't know if you ever saw any of the imagery of Courtney Draper who did um, – you know, she was Elizabeth from yeah. Bioshock. She wore like the microphone on her head so that she could really explore oh, the space. Cool. Yeah. 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 She was, and Troy you know, Baker actually recorded together too, which is super rare. Yeah. Uh, and that's – I direct a lot of voice talent and that is one thing. They they are almost always by themselves. And if you could get people in the booth together to talk, um, it, it does change the uh, – mm-hmm. it does change the product. My friend who was uh, – who runs the audio studio um, where I went and recorded was talking about how there's one talent that they work with whenever she has to do stuff where she sounds like she's straining. She takes a big like exercise rubber band. Mm-hmm. And uses it like stretches it while she's talking. Oh, wow. um, oh you wow. do a lot of things to like move. If you your your body will impact your voice when you right. record. So that makes a lot of sense. That's awesome. Well, since we just had this serious discussion about voice voice acting, I thought that it would be fun if we read the Dragon Age Inquisition scripts on the podcast. What? Oh no! What do you guys think? <laughs> I, I, I don't know, guys. This is a brilliant idea. Yeah, I mean, because I, I mean, honestly, we have an hour and a half to fill, so we have to do something, right? Yeah. So, Why not? Yeah. Why not? Let's do it. <clears throat> let's. I'm excited for this. Let's read these scripts. I I am willing to play the part of the Inquisitor. You are sure. Okay. I'll, and, I'll uh, be uh, I'll be the villager in in script one. <laughs> We're gonna do okay. So okay, so just for our listeners, let's do this in one really horrible take no no there's going to be no cuts yeah they're... we're just going to go with it um we are not professionals i can I barely make... read to be honest with you well the i make dumb voices when i gm so i'm going to make some of my dungeon master voices for mm-hmm. the monsters that i make um so that's just a little bit of background <laughs> to yeah. what the fuck is about and that. i will i will give the nerd appropriate stamp of approval that there would be no editing during this segment 
None. None. Oh boy, no okay. pressure or anything. No can pressure. You, uh, Mylan, for this first one, can you give us the, the background, the um, scene oh, one? Yes, okay. So this is Dragon Age Inquisition, scene one. A villager confronts the Inquisitor who is passing through the area. You are playing the part of the villager. Oh, if it isn't the Inquisitor. What do you want with us? I want nothing from you. Has there been trouble in the area? Trouble? I've lost two sons and a sister to this war. Everyone around here has lost someone. If it's that trouble enough for you, your warship... I'm sorry. Is there anything I can do? You can turn right around and leave the way you came. I didn't start this war. I'm trying to stop it. Does it matter? I know you. I know people like you. Playing your games, sending my boys to fight your battles... When it's all over, do you think it makes a whit of a difference who wins? Gaspard or Celine? All the same to us, down here in the dirt. It'll make a difference. I'll make sure things get better. Just words. It'll be better when the dead come home, and not even the Maker can do that. Yeah. And scene. <coughs> oh my god. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> I don't know how the professionals do that. Oh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> And you just read like seven lines. That was that, that was, was great. awesome. Oh my gosh! So much respect to every voice actor who's ever come on this show ever. I thought oh, that went well. It's that, a hard job. It's a brutally, brutally hard job. <clears throat> um, Mylan, do you want to read scene two? Sure. Have you looked at scene? I haven't looked at scene two. Let's I look have. At it. I've glanced at it. Uh oh. Yes. Let's check it out. All right. We'll open up script two. So one thing I'll tell uh, our listeners. So on the side they have direction. So. Uh, you know, you're supposed to sound like this one. The, the the character I'll be playing is supposed to sound very frantic. So we'll see. We'll see what I can work up here <clears throat> sitting in my little chair here. All right. Is everybody? You get, did, did all your stretches? Are you ready? Are you ready right? to do this? You have all to, my, so, my vocal warm ups. Um, so are you going to read us in, Ash? Yeah. So you're going to be Inquisitor Scott, and she's she's going to yeah. be the yeah, of course. Okay. <clears throat> Dragon Age Inquisition. The Inquisitor is investigating an abduction and trying to get information from a Seneschal. You are playing the part of the Seneschal. The estate was utterly stripped of joy when Lady Rosette disappeared. The Dowager was distraught. Hasn't taken supper in days. Days! I see. Is it possible she's been assassinated? <gasps> we don't talk like that. It's unthinkable. No, absolutely not. Not dead. Please, we're begging you. The Inquisition has access to resources, information. If anyone could locate Rosette, you can. Look, I have the lady's favorite things. Maybe these will help. A bell on a ribbon and a silk pillow? Not just any silk pillow. It's filled with honeysuckle and mint. She goes quite mad for the blend. And tell your men they might lure her with salted cod, but only on Sundays. Wait, Lady Rosette is a cat. You sent an urgent missive asking the Inquisition for help in finding a lost cat? She's not just a cat, she's the cat. Why, when Empress Celine was visiting the chateau, Lady Rosette slept curled about the Empress's head? Tell me, who else has dared embrace the imperial crown in such a brazen fashion? Who else has been allowed to use the Empress's own person? Rosette is special. Even Celine knows it. I should go. <laughs> <laughs> and see. Yay! Yay! Hold on, my phone's ringing. We all just got hired, guys. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Jubilation. That, that was, was great. Awesome. No, I love the contest, and uh, who knows? Dude, maybe yeah. we'll actually submit real ones. That'll be fun. I think yeah. it's really, really cool they're doing this. And, um, and 
Or maybe I, someone will just listen to this podcast. Who knows? Who knows? Dreams do come true. It's true. <laughs> Um, Mylan, let's talk about your panels because uh, we know that you have panels coming up at PAX and we think it's super cool that you put these together. Um, as a, a professional panel goer tour, um, <laughs> I do go to a lot of panels and your panels are some of my favorites and I'm just saying that Thank because you. you're on the show. I do think you, you put together some really fun and informational and oftentimes uh, really hilarious panels. So um, tell us what ones you have coming up and um, – Perhaps uh, some insider information. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to be doing three panels at PAX East. Um, I, I started doing panels last year. I, I had been to a few and thought this was really fun, and I, I thought maybe I had something to, to add and and started working on ideas. And the first panel I ever put together was the foreplay romance and games panel. We did it last year at PAX East for the first time. We had Raphael Sabarge join us last minute, which was amazing. And he mm-hmm. talked about being in Mass Effect and what it was to try to um, kind of make people feel something for you um, using your voice. And then we did it again at PAX Prime um, with uh, Karen and Patrick Weeks and a bunch of other great people. Of course, Hillary does it with us every time. And she's always amazing and, and adds a lot of her personal feelings on the games too. And so Hillary and I are doing it again um, with a couple of new people. Sean Baptiste will be moderating and um, Anna Schumann from P2R is going to be on it. And Amanda Cosmos, who's a romance blogger, will be joining us this time. Cool. Um, So I think it'll be fun. We try to change it every time we talk about different games. We talk about different aspects of romance and games. I felt like it was a space that wasn't really being explored. We talk a lot about sex and games and a lot about, you know, the way the, the figures are drawn and, and those types of things. But, mm-hmm. but really there are a lot of games where you, you can fall in love with the characters and, um, Bioware obviously is really good at that. And, um, but there are a lot of Japanese games as well. So, We'll be talking about new stuff. You should definitely come out. Um, I can't remember when it is scheduled, but we'll be in the schedule. Um, I'm also doing a writer's workshop with Hillary. So she and I are both working on novels. We've had different things published before, and um, we thought it would be fun to kind of do a, a, a group workshop where other writers can come and we can all talk about writing and and kind of give some of our secrets, insider um, ideas on how to stay inspired and how to you know uh keep the faith as you're working (laughs) on your own project because you know as a writer you spend a lot of time by yourself Mm -hmm. and i'm writing my first novel right now and it is the most mentally challenging thing i've ever done because you have a level of self-doubt when you work on something that big that scope where you're making it up from outside of your brain you know from your from your mind Mm -hmm. um Uh uh-huh you get it's 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 very hard. I'm about forty thousand words into this book. I have to write seventy five thousand words, and half the time when I sit down to the computer, I'm thinking, "There's no way I can do this," but there's no way I can't do this at this point because I'm not, I have that much time yeah. invested. 
Um, the other game that I'm, I mean, the other panel that I'm doing is a wordsmithing panel with Sean Baptiste, and that's actually one that Sean put together. Um, so it's with a few people that I don't actually know, but we'll be talking about, um, writing games that focus, that are mostly words, that are focused on words. So I'll be talking about the game book that I wrote, and he'll be talking about Let's Quip. And I think that one will be a very interesting, kind of different panel. It's um, very cool because, you know, the origin of a lot of the games we love, the origins of those games were, were just old text games. So I'm yeah. interested to see what kind of audience you guys get. There's still people that love <laughs> the old games like Zork and, you know, and the old text-based games. So. Absolutely. I mean, I remember being in elementary school and playing this game. I think it was like, it was an Alice in Wonderland game called Malice in Wonderland. I think mm. that was the one that had, you had to kind of guess what it wanted you to do, right? Yeah. So, okay, there's a rock and a door and a, and a pond and a, you know, <laughs> well, okay, go into the pond. You can't do that. Okay. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it, it's interesting to have the technology that we have now, but to still be using those sort of really basic but really um, tried and true approaches to games. Uh-huh. So, yeah, great. so come out and see us, please, at, at PAX East. I think it'll be a really fun um, really fun time. Yeah, we and maybe for, running around there as well. Yeah, for, for our listeners that won't be able to make it to PAX this year, and there are quite a few of you, um, perchance we, we may be able to um, still, you know, publish one of those panels um i think i think something pop- might be able to be arranged yes we'll yes. see <laughs> i would also just as a footnote i'll refer our listeners to rated na episode 98 and episode 123 respectively for the past four play romance and games panels from pax east and pax prime they're good they're really funny you yeah they're, like yeah they're really really good thank you we have fun yeah that's the whole idea is we have fun and we swoon over characters and stuff it's ridiculous <laughs> It is good. Cool. Well, uh, how about we take a break and then we will come back and talk about Plants vs. Zombies, Garden Warfare, the mighty quest for epic loot, and Out There. Bioware Community Manager Jessica Marison, and I was forced to say that I was on the Nerd Appropriate Podcast. Okay, we're back, and we're going to talk about Plants vs. Zombies Garden Warfare, and Scott and myself played it for the Xbox One. Um, I was pretty reluctant to pick this game up myself, just because, well, okay, to be honest, when I first saw it, I think at E3 was the first time it was revealed. I thought it looked really promising. I thought it looked really pretty. I it did definitely, too. It definitely, you know, utilizes that new Frostbite 3 engine. It, it really makes use of the new Xbox One hardware, so it's really pretty to look at. Um, and I hadn't heard much about it since that big reveal. Like, there there hasn't been very much coverage for it. And then I saw that it was going to be a title that was going to be uh, $39.99 brand new, and then I kind of was like, uh-oh, does that mean it's not going to be, you know, a fully realized game? Because unfortunately, that's, you know, when you see console releases, typically they're $60 unless yeah. they're not full games. Um, so this is a full game. Uh, it's it's a little different than what I was expecting, um, but I, it's still really, really enjoyable. So I guess at its core, it's a class-based uh, shooter, uh, third-person shooter, class-based, objective-based, tower defense. How many words can I throw in there, Scott? I think you've, I think you've hit all the... Yeah. 
All the buzzwords there. All the buzzwords? Yep. So um, there are four different plants, and each plant has a different uh, set of abilities, and your goal is to protect your garden from an onslaught of zombies, similar to uh, PopCap's Plants vs. Zombies. And uh, how, how do we want to talk about this? What, what did you first think about it, Scott? I mean, it is surprisingly... Uh, the first thing I did was, uh, since you were not available, I played... I just went into the game and I was just like, well, just get me started. So I did like the let's play now thing. So, and that turned out to be a 10 wave horde mode, um, you know, defend my garden tower defense shooter thing. So I got through the 10 waves and then the last wave comes along and it's like, it's like get to the extraction zone. And I was like, wait a second. I know what this <laughs> is. I mean, it's, it's weird. It's not so weird because it's EA, but th- I was surprised that there are more parallels to Mass Effect 3's multiplayer than I expected there to be. Oh, absolutely. You know, because you can, through playing the game and doing things in the game, you earn coins, and then you use those coins to unlock um, booster packs, and there's five different kinds of booster packs, and the cheap ones give you cheap stuff, and the nice ones unlock new characters, just like in Mass Effect. Um but because it's tower defense, a lot of the things that you unlock will be consumable things that you will plant in the potted plants that are scattered around your base. So those can be things like um, standard shooting units, close-up units, like AOE units, stuff like that, yeah. that help you defend your base while you run around and, and try to kill all the zombies. So that was the thing for me is that I was like, hey, this could be either a you know, in between whatever Mass Effect 3 multiplayer and whatever may be coming next, I kind of suspect that they may be trying out things in this particular game that you might see in Mass Effect 3. I have no basis. I have no information to basis upon. It's just my personal opinion, but yeah. it would not be surprising. Because like Ash said, and you you made this good point to me while we were playing, that you told me you were like, well, I was reluctant to get this game, but I found out it was built on Frostbite 3, and I wanted to see a shooter on frostbite three that wasn't battlefield, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And when she told me that, I was like, you know, that's a really good idea because like this really could be something similar to what we could see in mass effect three multiplayer, but obviously it would be mass effect. So yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it is definitely gorgeous and, and the gameplay. It's super smooth. I guess my only, um, my only problem with the game is it is, it's very simple. So, you know, if you're looking for a really, really deep experience, you, you may not find that here, but it's, it doesn't mean that if you get in and play with your friends, you're not going to have a blast. There's a lot of strategy. Each character class has uh, three different abilities that you can use. Um, for instance, there's a healer class, uh, and it's uh, the sunflower. If you're playing as, <laughs> yeah. if you're playing as a plant, there's a sunflower. So there's no way you're not going to feel like a badass playing as a sunflower hey no, now no hold what, on a minute no i don't matter, know if i agree with that have you seen this sunflower yes i have seen the sunflower ash's, ash's sunflower actually wears a top hat which makes him sophisticated <laughs> and classy. It does. and then every time i heal i do this little magic magical flourish um but you know okay so it's not going to it's not going to make you feel at least me uh, i shouldn't speak for everyone but you're not going to feel like um marcus phoenix with a, a lancer you know carving down locusts or something when you're playing this game however there's still a lot of uh satisfaction and reward to the combinations and stuff you can pull off for instance scott was playing as the what was it called a chomper it's a chomper it's just a, a melee based character uh you know like the all of the classes don't have melee by default, so this particular class is only melee, has no ranged attack. 
natively. Yeah. yeah. So he would play as this character and I'd run behind him with a sunflower and shoot this like Ghostbuster style healing beam into his chomper and he'd be able to, you know, just mow down enemies and I was kind of keeping him up. Um, and you know, the cactus can like launch a little onion drone that flies around and does airstrikes and, uh, can plant landmines and all sorts of things. So, you know, if you are playing with a team, um, it is awesome because you, you, you know, use different combos and it is, you know, a really strategic experience. If you're by yourself, uh, or if you're playing with a bunch of strangers, it's probably not going to be quite as enjoyable. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, there, we should mention that there is no single player like campaign as it were there's a horde mode that you can play by yourself just it's like it'd be like if you were to solo mass effect 3 multiplayer you know there's gold silver and bronze like that kind of thing yeah um and then there's a a slew of multiplayer modes kind of like battlefield 3 there's team deathmatch and then uh like one of those objective based um Gardens and graveyards, yeah. That's the one like, where it's like the the map opens up as objectives are completed, right? That's the yeah. One. So one team plays as all zombies, one team plays as plants, and you uh, you fight against each other to try and like take and hold territory. Yeah, I think. Now, did I see something that said that this you could play couch co op with this as well? You can actually. I, I think, think that's only on Xbox One, actually. Yeah, I think only on the Xbox One. That's so cool because yeah. I think that that's definitely something that would attract me to it. Yeah, so there aren't enough games where you can play couch co-op that I've found that I want to play. Yeah, that's true. This one, this on the Xbox One at least, they actually have smart glass integration that also comes a, with a mode in it called boss mode. And it's similar to playing as the commander in Battlefield. So you can do this on the TV or you can pull it up on your smart glass enabled device like an iPad or something. And you can play the game from an overhead perspective and spot enemies and drop supplies and do stuff like that as well. It's really cool. I love that they're adding that stuff. Yeah. Like you said, the strategy in the shooting mechanic is not very deep, but the sort of the depth of the game comes with the customization of the characters and unlocking new characters and abilities, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I guess that's my one, my one kind of problem um, is it it feels like it's really hard to unlock. Oh, it's slow. A new new character. So you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say they, they, it was funny because they a bunch of news stories came out like the day before the the game was launched, and all the news stories said, "Plants vs. Zombies: Garden Warfare will not feature microtransactions at launch." Oh, and every, okay. You know, everyone, if you read the tea leaves, that kind of means like, you know, <laughs> hey, maybe this game will go free to play, or it'll they'll introduce some kind of currency system where you can get those packs faster. But for the time being. Yeah. Um you have to you have to acquire the coins through your your gameplay actions and then spend those. But it's like you said it's a slow grind to get it the, is. To, yeah. to the big one for sure. For sure. Um, um yeah, it'll take like about four full matches to unlock like a, a 10,000 uh, coin yeah. pack. So you're um, talking about maybe an hour. There's another point that you brought up while we were playing that I think is worth telling our audience and that's that um you you said this would be a great game for a shooter fan to play like with someone who is younger, like their, their child or like a younger brother or sister or something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. I don't think little kids should play call of duty or battlefield or anything like that. I think it's, it's, I don't think it's right for a a young audience. Mm -hmm. However, I do think, I think 
shooters are a lot of fun, and I think this is a great introduction to uh, to shooters. I mean, there's a lot of skills a kid can learn in a game like this that they'll be able to carry over to you know other shooters when they they get older and, and are playing different games. And I also think it teaches you know teamwork and strategy and um, and, you know, some of those those moments in shooters in, in games like Gears of War and Battlefield and and Call of Duty, when you play those games with your friends, you have these amazing like memories of particular matches that last forever, mm-hmm. almost as if you were there. And it would be neat to see like you know kids. I can see even see elementary school kids playing this and going to school and talking about how much of a joy it was. And I think that'd be perfectly acceptable. I mean, there's no violence unless you, you talk about, you know, a zombie getting hit by a, a <clears throat> pea or a cactus yeah. or something. So do you think that might be some of the reasoning behind the price point as well? Is that they're trying to um, target younger demo? Yeah, it's definitely a family-friendly game. So It is. And there's nothing wrong with that either. I yeah. actually really like that. And I, I really also like the, the fact that it's $40 and it doesn't have a single-player mode. And they're like, fuck it. It doesn't have a single-player mode. Deal with it. <laughs> right. Like I, I really like that because I think if other games would come out and just be cheaper and not have that gigantic you know, blockbuster campaign – that most people don't even play anyway. Right. Then uh, you know, I say just go for it. Make the game cheaper and just have just have multiplayer. For sure. You want to tell us about the mighty quest for epic loot? Yeah. So um, I don't know. I was looking for something new to play, and I got an email saying, "Hey, you know, come check out the beta for Ubisoft's Mighty Quest for Epic Loot. Um, they're doing a contest right now with with Twitch, where if you actually broadcast yourself uh, playing, if you you play a game of Mighty, Mighty Quest for Epic Loot on Twitch. They'll give you some prizes and stuff like that. It's cool. Um, I'm not a streamer, so I didn't go for the contest. So I was excited. Uh, I I liked Diablo, but I didn't love it. I, I love Torchlight. Uh, I saw this was free to play, and I was kind of like, I was just very curious what the heck this game was. Um, the visuals and the trailer made it look a little bit like a Pixar film. And yeah, I, I like, remember seeing the trailer at E3 yeah. and thinking that that was that sounded like fun. I actually signed up for it, but then never downloaded the game. I got an email about the beta. Yeah, yesterday you should, you should definitely check it out because um, I ended up loving it a lot more than I thought I would. First of all, I'm not a, I'm kind of in the same boat as Scott that I don't love free to play stuff because it always feels yeah. like portions of the game are kind of hidden behind you know price points. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like that it's free to play. I kind of wish that it wasn't. However, how the game works is pretty cool. There's four uh, playable character classes now. There's like a, a wizard, an archer, a warrior, and um, kind of like a roguish female character. Yeah, and she's pretty badass looking. She's looking cool. There, she's yeah. the only one that you have to pay for right now too, which bugs what? the lot of people. Oh. <laughs> you can unlock any of the first three for free, but she you have to actually pay for right now. She's like the hidden one. You know, I have to say... I, I've gotten to this point where I am much, much, much more likely to play a game if I can play as a female no, than if that's not an option. I don't, um, I don't blame you. Yeah. It's, are there any yeah, other female I, characters in the game to like no, by the, default? The three, the three are males, and then she's the locked female character. Hmm. How much does she cost? She is, I think, right now, um, fifteen dollars. Whoa. Because yes. I was like, yeah, I, I was trying to figure out how much I would pay to play as a female character. <laughs> but she comes yeah. with like a whole bunch of other bells and whistles. That must be – that's sure the cost of the game then. The game that's costs $15. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so that's how you have to kind of figure I out like, games. Yes. And I actually would rather just pay for a game and play it than do the free-to-play stuff. I agree. Too, too. Like, yeah, I, I'm happy to give devs money. But to lock up the girl 
Anyway, I'm it, not going to. Yeah, I'm no, not going to no, talk I, about it. Well, I don't. I don't. I don't know the reasoning behind making her the one that's locked. I honestly, that's the character I would have chosen just because she looked like she'd be the most fun to play. Maybe user testing revealed that that was the character everybody I wanted to play. I think that's the one that yeah. they would probably sell uh-huh. the most of. Which so, is cool, and I hope that's true because uh-huh. that would be cool. I hope so too. But um, So the gameplay is really cool. You, you p- play as one of these characters, and it starts out, and it seems to, like it's a normal dungeon delve. You're like, okay. First of all, graphically, it is fucking gorgeous. It looks better than Diablo, and I'm not just saying that. Like, hmm. it, it, The animation is gorgeous. The enemy animation is gorgeous. The levels look great. The music is phenomenal. It's very tongue-in-cheek. Um, it has a um, – it kind of reminds me as if perhaps it was like in the world of Shrek – but uh, but oh. a little bit more, a little bit more fantasy than the world of Shrek. So even the animation kind of reminds me like of characters that would exist in the Shre- in the Shrek world. So it, it, it's it's meant to be comical, right? Um, the goal of the game is really really unique in that as you are going to these dungeons, you're amassing all this money and all this stuff, and then you bring it back to your own base, your own castle. Mm-hmm. And you start outfitting your castle with different traps and different monsters, and you can design it any way that you want. It kind of has this uh, Lego style, like build your castle feature, where you place different grids in different places. You set where each one of the monsters are. You set which direction they're facing. Uh, you could give all the monsters different abilities as you unlock them, and then it kind of unleashes you onto the world, and you raid other people's castles that they've built. And other people raid your castles, and you get oh. points when they you get points when they fail raiding your castle, and you get points for raiding their castles. And there are like um, ones that are created by the developers that that kind of have a more of a story attached to them as well. But you're constantly trying to upgrade your own defenses through the acquisition of more money and and basically more power. So you're adding new creature types, you're adding like, you know, upgrades to your castle and new traps and like trying to make it as as tough as possible. That's pretty cool. It is really cool. And then what you do is you set all your stuff up and then you have to test it out first to make sure it's actually beatable. Hmm. And then once you test it out, it becomes live and it goes up on the server and then other people can start diving into your castle. Then you can watch replays of other people that went through your castle and you get to see like what traps worked well, what kind of sucked and then you get to tweak it out and change it and and make it a little bit better a little bit more tough that's really awesome Uh, it is really cool um each one of the character classes i only played as the archer but um really deep uh i don't say deep trees it's not really trees but they have i think i want to say 12 to 15 different abilities and you can select which ones you want to bring into battle with you you choose from four different abilities that you bring so you can kind of customize your character to be a certain way and then there's different tiers to those abilities as well. So you can keep, you know, a- advancing. And there's lots of loot. You know, there's all the different slots that you would get in a mm-hmm. World of Warcraft, like a head slot, back slot, ring slots, all that. So you get loot as you go through. Um, different rarities. Uh, so, yeah, right now, I mean, I, I've played for like almost four hours this morning, which is one of the reasons why we started recording late. <laughs> um, what? I know. Well, I, was, I, I forgot to make breakfast. Then I went rec- Anyway. Oh, so, okay. um, yeah, I had to do both things. So uh, there's a lot that you get to play for free. And like I said, my only problem is that I really wish that I could have just paid like 30 bucks for this and gotten like, mm-hmm. you know, gotten the whole shebang because I would have loved that, you mm-hmm. know. Um now, I, yeah, so I mean, I 
if you're looking for something that's uh, Diablo-esque and you like uh, being creative and um, maybe, you know, like things like Minecraft, then I'd say go for it. I have a question. So I remember yeah. the trailer. It sounded like the main guy, his voice was Patrick Warburton. Do you know who that is? The, I do. Like, that's the voice of the tech. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Is 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 it? Does he sound like that in the game? Is do you think? Oh, I don't know. Um, I just try to look it up. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know who the voice cast is in this. Unfortunately, the guy that I'm playing as kind of sounds a little bit like Wolverine. He's kind of like this nice. rough, like low voice character. Um, but anyway, the character design is beautiful, and they say mm-hmm. like you know, depending on how well this does, they're going to kind of go the. Um, the League of Legends route and just keep adding characters that you can like buy to to upgrade and stuff like that. So I mean, I think Ubisoft Montreal did a really great job with this. Uh, I don't know if this is the best way to go about doing it. However, the game design itself is really great. So definitely, it looks out. like a lot of fun. Yeah, the mighty quest for epic loot. Well, I want to talk about another game. You know, in an effort to further destroy everybody's productivity. Yeah. Um, I think I saw this uh, mentioned on The Verge, actually, but the game is called Out There. And anybody that knows me, I, I kind of I, apparently I'm pigeonholing myself into playing games that either have to do with space or cyberpunk kind of material. Uh-huh. Um, Out There is a, a game for mobile. It's a roguelike game. I'm going to compare it to FTL just so that people understand what I'm talking about. But it's not really fair to compare it to FTL. It's probably the the closest thing to describe it, you know, but out there is a roguelike game set in space. It doesn't have the real time gameplay elements of FTL. So you don't have like, you don't micromanage a crew and you don't get into these, um, real time ship battles with other ships, but it is a game where you are, uh, uh, you know, somebody exploring space, you become sort of lost out in space and you're trying to make it back home. So you have to manage your resources in such a way to make it as far as you can to get back to Earth. So you start out with uh, fuel and oxygen and, you know, your whole strength. And every time you jump to a different star system, you can explore the planets there, mine for resources. Sometimes you encounter, you know, foreign species and, you know, being a roguelike game other events will will happen in the game as well. So you'll find weird monoliths and encounter strange asteroid fields. And what's really cool about it is that the game is mostly done in the style. The art style is really cool. It's like a comic book is the presentation of the game. Oh, cool. Yeah. So the game unfolds in a comic book art style. Um, it uh, it's it's you know because there's not real time gameplay elements in it. It's kind of something you can play more casually. Um, you have, you start out with this ship that you're, that you're in and you, the ship has certain types of subsystems in it. So the subsystems are the systems that allow you to jump from star system to star system, allow you to visit planets within a star system, allow you to probe for fuel or mine for minerals. And so you kind of get into this whole system of resource management while you're trying to explore the planets and make hops to get closer to earth and hopefully make it to earth. And of course being a roguelike game, it's, it's very difficult to actually make it to earth and they show you how far away it is too. It's kind of silly. They'll, they'll show you the earth star system, like your destination. And then the game like pans, like in super speed past, like looks like 200 different star systems up to where you are. (laughs) And they're like, all right, 
go for it, <laughs> you know? Oh, man. But it's cool. It's I watched the trailer while you were talking or, li- or you yeah. just watched it, and it does look really awesome. The art style is really neat. Yeah, it is. The art style is great, and I don't want to say too much about the game because what makes the game great is sort of this this self-discovery that you, you know, things that you find out on your own about what's happening in the, in the universe of this game, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's, it's cool. So like if, I mean, obviously if you've played FTL, you kind of know what I'm getting at here. Cause in the same way that you go to different, you choose which star systems to visit, which path you want to take. And there's a lot of strategy in that and different resource management. And as you, there's even resource management within your ship because your ship can only hold, you know, like the starter ship maybe has 12 to 16 spaces on it. So yeah. in each space, you can either put a subsystem or hold a mineral. But you need the minerals to repair your ship. You need minerals minerals to buy, uh, to build new subsystems. But then when you build a subsystem, you use a spot for resources. So there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of planning. There's different ways to approach the game i was i got to a point earlier today i was i I can't stop playing this game i got to a point earlier today (laughs) i was able to jump maybe like 10 stars at a time you know because you you start out very limited in your ships yeah yeah. i was able to jump super far but also consumed a lot of fuel and you know so there's a trade-off there when you're trying to decide well do i want to make large jumps to try to get there faster but then you have to go look for more fuel and it's just it's just really cool um the way One of my they... favorite things about FTL was that that feeling of um, kind of being that feeling of being lost and kind of helpless yeah. in space. Does it does it carry over to this game as well? It it really does. Yeah, and the the thing that I will say it's I think there's something special about a game in which you are alone in space. So yeah, sure. In FTL, you had a crew and you could kind of create this own narrative in your mind about each of your crew members and give them names and name your ship and stuff like that. In this game. You're just sort of in space by yourself and you're just encountering things and trying to make, you know, you have those kind of choose your own adventure decisions where they'll say, like, you encounter this weird obelisk. What do you do? You know, do you wait and see? Do you fly away? Do you, like, shoot a you know pulse of light at the obelisk and then something will happen based on that? The thing that I will say that I do like about this game that sort of frustrated me about FTL is that I don't think i've encountered in ftl you can encounter moments you can have a ship that is fully functional crew is solid resources are solid power management is you know optimal and there's some event you'll encounter and the game will instantly be over you know yeah and you'll think to yourself like my ship was a hundred percent functional before this happened and now i'm completely dead Uh uh-huh and there's not there's no kind of there's none of those like gotcha moments in out there that at least that i've Mm -hmm. seen Mm mm-hmm like oh, I've never, good. I've never decided to like fly closer to a black hole and then find out that the game instantly ended. You know, yeah. You might take a big penalty to like your hull or your oxygen or something, but it's never you know like instant game over, which is something that I appreciate in the design of this game. This game this is weird because this I think this was also a game made by a French developer. So I'm totally this week I'm all I'm all in on French movies and games. So. Um, you know, I have to break in and say that I love listening to you guys talk about this stuff too because I'm trying – I should write it down. But I'm trying to keep this like mental list of the things that you like and dislike about games <laughs> like that because I think that that stuff is really interesting. And, and when you're designing games, trying to pay attention to what people – 
who play a lot of games really appreciate or really don't appreciate mm-hmm. um, is important that you know you can yeah, wind up getting so saying. stuck in like making the game that you forget that you do this terrible gotcha moment where you do you just get wiped out and die and 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 that's not necessarily fun for the people who are playing it yeah it's uh you want me to get nerdy for a second yeah, please let's, let's do it okay so there is oh, I'm gonna look this up so I can speak about this intelligently um so there's this idea that has been applied to games. It's called self-determination theory. It's a, it's a theory from psychology, and it basically talks about um, the theory is concerned with um, human motivation, right? So if you were to apply this to a game, and we're talking about psychological needs, right? So this theory is broken up into three components, which sort of power um, optimal function and growth. And those three elements are autonomy, competence, and relatedness. So... Um, Autonomy is the feeling that you are in control. So if you apply that to a game, players like to feel like they are in control of what is happening in the game world. So if you encounter an event in a game like FTL where you feel like you are in a really good spot and all of a sudden the game ends, you almost feel like the game cheated you in a way, you know, because yeah, yeah. you you feel like you have lost control of of your um of your like autonomy, of your agency as a player in the game world. And that's that's generally something that people don't like when they feel as if the game, what is happening in the game is out of their control. And I know that's sort of counter to what the way roguelike games unfold. And I'm not trying to say that things can unfold in a random. You can do a roguelike game and still have the player feel like they are in control. And I think that out there does a good job of balancing randomness with allowing the player to feel as if they're in control oh, yeah. of what's happening in the game. I mean, everything Although, you just said. Oh, go ahead, Mylon. Oh, I was just going to say, although as somebody who's made a couple of games, I can say that it is so hard to predict how people will actually play. Oh, absolutely. You think you, think you know how people will play and then they tell you how they play and it's it's not the same thing at all. Yeah. I mean, I have in, in, my, in my first game in my game book, um, I have a, a – a, a kind of surprise ending or a, an achievement, the crazy cat lady ending, mm-hmm. which if you pick the most boring choices, <laughs> in my <laughs> opinion, you know, you don't go out drinking with your friends and you don't do the, you know, and you do yeah. all of it. You wind up having this ending because you, you keep finding stray cats and you wind up having to drop <laughs> yeah. out of college and get a job, to take care of the cats. And that is the most talked about ending in that game. Well, that's, people, um, that's love awesome. the crazy cat lady ending. It's a pleasant right. surprise. Which is, you no, know, it's fun, man, but so many people get it. I never thought, I thought it was like a hidden little thing that a couple people would get because I thought people would definitely choose the 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 swashbuckling, exciting choices. <laughs> so it's just, it's really, really interesting because it's like as many, there are as many ways to play a game as there are people who are playing. Oh, yeah. That's what makes designing a game so difficult. It's hard to design yeah. for everybody. But yeah. I think something that you do, you know, with your game book is that you allow you give people the option of setting bookmarks and then returning to those bookmarks if they right. want to. I know that, you know, personally for me, I, I played a lot of your game without using the bookmark system, but you give players that choice to do that, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think I think that well, also mine's a casual game. And that was the point mm-hmm. of that um, was for, you know, Yes, you can die, and sometimes you know you're going to die, and sometimes you don't. I, and it's actually, okay. I I played your game in hardcore mode 
I screamed it out loud as I read it. And as soon as I died, I just turned it off. Did you rage quit? Did you just throw your phone on the ground? Hardcore text game, just like, and then just turn it off. Yeah. This, by the way, for those who haven't played the game, which is most of you, I'm sure, this is the game about romancing vampires or slaying them or becoming one. So, yeah. so just just imagine Ash <laughs> playing this and rage quitting. Yeah. It's sort of my favorite favorite mental image. Yeah. Yeah. Great fun. I do my best Henry Rollins impression while reading the game book. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Neck veins. But I can see. I mean, I'm definitely curious about about this game, Scott, and yeah. I'm curious to see how what the feeling is behind like playing it. I love that they they clearly are fans of games and 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 know how to empower the player without making it too easy. Mm-hmm. It's it's. It's it's weird because the game feels the game is super difficult, but it never feels as if it's impossible. And that's I, like I think that. that's where the balance is struck. Really quick, the other two parts of self determination theory, competence is basically just the is like your your ability to control outcomes, like mastery, like beating challenges, what competence is. And that's that's usually a part of every single game. And the last component is called relatedness. And that just talks about um, sort of the psychological need to feel connected to someone else. So um, mm-hmm. that could be social features. That could be playing online together. Um, now Romance. with streaming your gameplay, right? Everybody likes to stream gameplay and it's a way, even with a single player game like Oregon Trail 2, Anna Schumann, to connect with other people <laughs> while you're playing, you know, what would otherwise have been a single player game. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, anyways, so that's that. Let's get back quickly to out there. Last thing I want to say about this game is that I am a sucker for a great atmospheric space sci-fi soundtrack, you know, a la the Swapper, um, you know, uh, like Mass Effect soundtrack. This game obviously has a great soundtrack as well. Um, super atmospheric. It really kind of um, creates that environment that you're that you're alone in space and you're and you're out there, if you will. Well, it looks like you can buy the game and the soundtrack for five ninety nine, so that's a deal. Oh right yeah, there. you can yeah you can go to their website outtheregame.com, and buy the game and the soundtrack for five ninety nine um, through like the humble store widget. Um, it's available for um, Amazon or I'm sorry, it's available for iOS, Google Play, and the Amazon App Store. And uh, the game itself is four dollars, but like we just discussed earlier, no in app purchases. So I will. I, I gladly, it. gladly paid for this game and I, I'm loving the shit out of it. You can cool. play it on. I, I, at one point, I actually started a game on my iPad and then started a second game on my iPhone because I didn't have my iPad at the time. And I was playing like two games at the same time. I'm like obsessed with this right now. So anyways, <laughs> I love it. that's out there. I, I, you know, if you, you know, if you've listened to this podcast long enough to know um, and you're like, you know. I tend to like the same games as Scott likes, then you should get this game as well. <laughs> that's that's the best way to describe it, right? That that's, is. Yeah. That is. I like yeah. it. Okay, so uh we'll take one last break and then we'll come back with our Naquado um this week, which is what comic and or game do you feel is long overdue for a major motion picture? Is overdue two words? Over over overdue. D U E. D U E. And it's one word. All that and more after the break.
Okay, we are back with our question of the week for episode 142. And this week we asked you guys, uh, what comic and or game do you feel is long overdue? D-U-E for a major motion picture. Um, and I said, feel free to send details of the cast, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, you guys, thank you so much for replying because I sent this out very late last night. Uh, the first one is from Nate Buckman, who is at Nate underscore B at Twitter. And he says, um, will never happen, but Psychonauts directed by Terry Gilliam has Monty Python styled animations and it would would work wonders. That would be really, really cool. It would also be good as a uh, like a Henson Company movie, you know. Oh, I could see that. Yeah, that'd be that'd be amazing. Yeah, a la Pan's Labyrinth or something weird like that. I think we should also say um, I agree that this will never happen, but it would be really <laughs> cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Dan Thompson at IMDTM, uh, hey dude, says The Legend of Zelda. I think I think that there was already a pretty good cartoon series based on The Legend of Zelda. You guys, you remember that? Yeah, I'm going to catch some ire for this yeah. one, but uh-oh. <sighs> Zelda. <laughs> I okay. I played the living shit out of Zelda as a kid, and I still can tell you maybe two things about Link and his motivation. That to me just kind of reeks of like uh, in terms of design the game was great, but I don't know anything about the world or like what and none of the games are linked together like You need to get uh, Hyrule Historia so that you can uh, you can figure it out. They're all parallel universes. Excuse me, princess. <laughs> As the, the catchphrase from the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's your turn, Mylan. Oh, okay. Okay. I'll take the next one. Um, it's uh, TDY Alf Canada at TDY Alf underscore Canada. Wonder Woman. Uh, which I wholeheartedly agree, as 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 you probably know. Um, cast Jamie Alexander, Rooney Mara, Alexandra Diderio, or Bridget Regan, all better actors than Gal Gadot. I I have a suggestion here. Okay. <clears throat> because I agree. I think it would be really great if we had a Wonder Woman movie. But I want to see Gina Torres, which I know that there is a fan campaign to get her to be Wonder Woman. And uh-huh. I think she would be fantastic. Oh, cool. That would be good. No, that'd be really yeah. cool. I could definitely see that. Yeah. Also, uh, did you know she's married to Lawrence Fishburne? Because I did, I did not know that. I no, know. I, I also took that. the the Firefly quiz. That which Firefly character are you? And, and I you got, got Zoe. I got Zoe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome! I love that. That's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Although I think I think that casting Steve would be really important too. And 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 personally, maybe Alan Tudyk would be great because you know they have that great chemistry. Uh huh. Or maybe The Rock. Yeah. Wouldn't that be cute? Yeah. That would be. That would be good. I can see it. I I like the droids you are looking for as uh, casting suggestions, though. Has anyone seen True Detective yet? No, I've not. Okay. Oh, Uh, yeah. I watched True Detective. Did you? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Daniel Coleman at Lucky underscore Spork says, I could go for a good Gambit or Deadpool movie, maybe a Bioshock or Halo for games. Oh man, Bioshock I think would make a, a gorgeous, gorgeous film. Mm-hmm. It was done by the right person. Mm-hmm. Um, Gambit or Deadpool? I I don't know how that would hold up in a in a movie. I mean, Deadpool is really funny because he he breaks the fourth wall a lot, talks to the audience. But I don't know. It would have to be someone who's really funny to be Deadpool because that's his whole shtick. You mm-hmm. know, I don't know. I mean, it used to be everyone. Ryan Reynolds was kind of gunning for the role, but. He um, 
did Green Lantern instead. <laughs> so I don't know who would be Deadpool. Can you guys think of a Deadpool? A funny, action-y kind of character? Um, yeah, I can't think of any of them. Yeah, not no. off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, let's see. At Cliffy Joel says, Bioshock with Johnny Depp and an HBO series for Mass Effect with Sam Worthington and Dragon <laughs> like Age that. with Viggo Mortensen. I like that. <laughs> That's a good direction for that. An HBO Mass Effect. That'd be really cool. Um, do you do do you either of you want to give an answer to this question? Man, um, what? Uh, I'll I'll think of mine in a minute. I actually have not thought of mine yet, so we'll do. Oh, this I have an answer. Okay, okay go, you, for go for it. it. Well, I mean, obviously, I think the best game to make into a movie would be Vampire Boyfriends, but um, <laughs> yeah, my game. But no, really, I I would love to see a Dazzler movie. Really. Which I know will never happen because, um, as I've been told repeatedly by my husband, I'm the only fan of Dazzler in the universe. And <clears throat> But I grew up reading um, her comics. If you don't know who she is, she's a Marvel character who started out with X-Men and then went off on her own. She turns music into light, early 80s, disco, it roller skates. It, there's so much, so much love. Um, and it was a... a an effort of Marvel to try to get women interested in comics. And apparently it worked just on me, <laughs> but I, I don't I know. I Dazzler a lot too when I was a kid. Did you? So, yeah, no, she was great. She was awesome. She was actually a member of the team like during my favorite era. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. yeah. They kind of brought her in not to nerd out here, but they kind of brought oh, her please. in. Something happened. Um, a lot of like their, their A-list people like Colossus and Nightcrawler and, and Kitty, like they all got really badly, wounded and they end up bringing dazzler in for like a, a long chunk of the series kind of as like a backup character i think it was like right around like x-men 210 to get super mm-hmm. technical but um i ended up loving the character because she was so she felt like very out of her element because she was a pop star you know and yeah. now she's on this super team and they're going up against you know terrorists and and other super villains and she's like oh what, do i even want to be here she always had this great like this inner this inner monologue going on like what the fuck am i doing <laughs> and i love <laughs> that about i know her. yeah yeah so she was that really was cool, cool. I, i'm glad that i'm glad so so yeah. there are two dazzler fans then <laughs> <laughs> let me know if you guys are listening and you like dazzler please tweet me because we will be friends forever yeah you two can start a kickstarter and we'll yeah. see yeah. <laughs> right yeah. yeah carlo at um pl- at platinum fist a neil blomkamp half-life film might work Ooh. based on did I say it wrong? No, you right. Camp. Okay. Yeah. Half-Life film might work based on some of the fan-made shorts. I think the material would translate well. That'd be really cool. Too. Make for did like guys, a tighter narrative. Did you see too. Elysium, Mylan? I did not. You didn't see it? Definitely check it out. I don't Elysium. think I've seen it either. You would I, like it. I know. I know. I love spacey it. stuff. Just, yeah. It's good. Lissa says, Monkey Island, best fight scenes ever. You fight like a dairy farmer. How appropriate you fight like a cow. <laughs> I think on that on that same token, I would add to that. um, Sam and Max would probably make a good, like, animated movie for adults. You know, yeah, that'd be super cool. Yeah, Um, Caroline at Cap and Caroline says, "I feel like it would be interesting to have a film revolving around Mirror's Edge." Yeah, yeah, that would be good. It'd be beautiful. It'd be awesome. Hi, Caroline. Mm -hmm. That makes me think of the uh, the free running scenes in in the James Bond movie. Oh, yeah. that'd be super cool. Yeah. Casino Royale. You know? Yeah. Yeah. They did a great job with that. So it'd be really interesting to have a movie based more around that 
Mm-hmm. Um, Eric at ECHAP33 says Wonder Woman, Nightwing, Gambit, Bizarro, Batgirl, and Black Canary. Maybe wow. all in one movie. <laughs> can you can you see it? Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to say this is going to be my, my, my Bizarro answer. I would love to see a um a, a Gears of War miniseries kind of a la Band of Brothers. Thirteen parts, super gritty. Oh. Um I don't know what's gonna happen with the franchise now because Epic no longer has it. Microsoft kind of took it um or purchased it from them, probably very willingly for a whole lot of money. But um I I'd love to see a Gears of War. I don't think it would translate well to like a single film, but I think like a more of a mini series would be awesome. That'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, Michael Coles, he says, Wonder Woman, too soon. But I really would say Archie. It's just so classic. So something everyone is aware of. Uh, I don't even like it, but it seems like something they would have tapped for a rom-com or something ages ago. That mm. could be cool. If it was done correctly, um, I, I actually read a little bit of Archie. One of my friends I grew up with had him like piles of them next to the toilet at his house. <laughs> He had all these Archies, and every time I would go over and spend the night at his house, I would just sit there and read, yeah, read Archies. Um, And they were actually pretty funny and pretty well written. I I don't know how that would translate to an actual film, though. It'd be weird. Hmm. Because it's so, like, squeaky clean, you know? Yeah. Oh, true. And it wouldn't wouldn't make sense for it to make fun of itself. You know, that would seem kind of a little bit too harsh for it. Who knows? Be like a family movie, perhaps. You know? Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, Amanda T at fluid fire says, I thought about it for a while, but man, battleship got made already. What more could I want? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. <clears throat> yeah. There, we, we can't ask for anything more than that. Uh, Scott, what's your answer? Um, well, I have two, obviously. Uh, the first one I'm going to go with is, uh, no one lives forever. I'm still gonna uh, still yeah. gonna carry the torch for that game. Talking to you, Monolith. Um, but I think maybe a more realistic answer would be Dead Space. Ooh, yeah, that'd be great. You know, because uh, sci-fi horror or sci-fi thriller, I guess, is has been a successful film genre already. And I think when you add in all the weird creatures and the strange uh, religious mythology and just like the cerebral horror of the dead space game i think it would make make for a good movie definitely yeah so there you go so uh justin banks at midtown 583 says why the why the last man standing starring sam whitwer as yorick why is so great if you guys haven't read why definitely definitely check out why the last haven't mylan this is this book is just for you yeah i'm serious get the whole thing about it it is um an amazing it's about a virus that breaks out across the the world and kills um every single man on earth literally man on earth except for one man uh and he's literally the last man on the planet and all the females um on the planet end up taking over and uh they break into you know different social groups so there's groups of amazon women who kind of adopt the, the styles of the old amazons there's um you know super aggressive ones there's ones that work for the government um, and since he has the only semen essentially left on the planet, he's very, very valuable. So some people want him alive. Some people want him dead. And it's his adventure because um, in the beginning, his his girlfriend is in Australia. It's his adventure to go find her um, all the way across the planet. And it's interesting because it shows what happens in a society after you know 
you know, literally three and a half billion people die. And so, so many of the jobs on, on the earth were, were men had all those jobs, things like, um, most of the pilots were men. And, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of the people that ran the nuclear reactors were men and ran the power plants were men. And so society kind of devolves for a while and, and goes crazy because just the, the mass amount of chaos, and the mass amount of death. And this one guy who's this kind of like goofy, um, you know, very, he's just an average everyday dorky guy with like no real skills. He's not like a superhero, but how, how does an average guy survive in this crazy, crazy world? And it's so well written and just a beautiful, beautiful story. So definitely check it out. I will. That sounds really interesting. It's really great. Um, Bunny Hanlon, who's at Wing and Lioness on Twitter, says, uh, Wonder Woman, just not made by current DC. Maybe if Marvel tried. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if that's ever going to happen ever, but I, I'm going to still pray for it. We'll see. Um, Justin at uh, or Justin D at Justin says Call of Duty. I don't know. Uh, I I need more information to to visualize Call of Duty. Yeah, maybe the original like the the oh, modern oh, okay. air plot. Yeah. yeah, the modern warfare plot could have been cool. Joshua Silverman at Bear Punch. Mass Effect isn't necessarily overdue, although it is shocking that it hasn't hit the big screen. Some good fan films though. Yeah, what's yeah. up with that? I mean, yeah. it was it was a thing, and it's kind of not a thing. And then... I don't want them to make that into a movie. No, it's it's a better it's a better game. Oh, that's true. I think that's that's the kind of that kind of you know that experience that people played for hundreds of hours over the course of three games. I don't think that would translate into ninety minutes. I think it. I think too, it would be hard because. So. It's a de- it's definitely a damned if you do, damned if you don't thing with choosing the main character, whether you make it male or female. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and you know they're going to make it a guy <laughs> because of it was supposed to be what's his face from Matthew Fox from Lost, right? I that think was, they just people always said that because he kind of looked like that. That was the rumor. The and his shepherd. shepherd. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, I I I, I don't know. I don't maybe know. It, maybe it doesn't need it. I don't think it does. Okay. Why don't you why don't you take us home, Ash? We ran right. a little long today. We did. So this has been episode 142 of the Rated NA podcast for the website nerdappropriate.com. As always, you can find us uh, on Twitter, and that's at nerdappropriate on Twitter. A uh, big welcome to some of our new followers that we just picked up. Uh, you can email us all directly, and that is Matt, Scott, Ash, Hillary with one L at uh, nerdappropriate.com. And Mylan, why don't you tell us how people can, uh, or tell our listeners how people can get in touch with you. Oh, yeah. The best way to find me is on Twitter. That's at Mylan B, M-I-E-L-L-Y-N-B. So uh, say hello, please. Cool. Yeah, thanks and for we'll hanging out be... with us, Mylan. Yes. Yeah, thanks for Thank having you. me. It's fun. It's been too long. Yes. I know. We shouldn't let it go so long next and, time, guys. And we'll see you, we'll see you at PAX East. If not, yeah. Not Real. Later, guys. See ya.
Okay. You guys ready? Yes. I think you have to bring us back. Who? You. Me? Cause you, yeah. Cause oh. You, Cause you were like, you know, you know what else is something? Oh, right. Well, I didn't know. Okay, good. Okay. Are we going? So you, and I go, yeah. And then you say. Okay. Oh, are you going to say, yeah? I did. I just did. You got, you're like, I'm like, well, you, you say what else is cool? And I go, yeah. 